Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. We've heard from a couple of listeners over the last couple of shows who had things that they wanted to pass along. Well, some needed uh, to correct me, and, and others had to just ask a question. We'll start with a question first, because this is the easy one. This comes from our friend Ron Havens, who says, Quick question about Steve Rogers and Captain America, mm -hmm. because Steve had the super soldier serum injection, and that gave him his super strength and his abilities, so how can anyone not injected or someone without any superpowers take his place? Doesn't that just make that person an ordinary person in a Captain America costume with a shield? I mean, technically, that's true, but we had heroes like Hawkeye who are not necessarily mm -hmm. super-powered with a serum. They're just a, a person with a skill. Same thing for Black Widow. She wasn't necessarily super-powered, just incredibly good at her job. And so we mm -hmm. do have a lot of people on the roster who have never been injected by some super-soldier serum in order to be a super-soldier themselves in some way, shape, or form. So in the case of Falcon... He was deadly with a, a backpack that had some wings. Imagine what he could do uh, if he were in a fight and he had a shield with him. You know, he'd just be that much more dangerous. So, yeah, that's true that he's not going to be as, as powerful in throwing people one-handed over walls like Cap could do, but he can hold his own in a fight with or without the serum. And it is also worth noting, at least in the storyline timeline that was established in Endgame and then, you know, carried on in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I mean, we literally saw the elderly Steve Rogers make a decision to physically hand the shield to uh, Sam Wilson. I think that also carries some weight here, you know, the effect of Steve made that decision. This guy is worthy to carry the shield. And really, Steve got the first lecture from, from Dr. Erskine, who is about, you know, the what's inside a, a big man, uh, muscles and the heart and blah, blah, blah. And I think that Falcon's the right character with the right heart to uh, carry I, that on. I, I agree. And by the way, thank you for bringing up that, that scene. That That's honestly one of my favorite moments out of the uh, original Captain America, the first Avenger. Okay, so moving on now to our correction category. Pascal the Rascal from Canada wanted mm. to call in and say, Hey guys, Thunderbolts have nothing to do with General Ross. And I was like, yeah, but wasn't there a Red Hulk in there one time? And he's like, yeah, one time out of 20. So <laughs> I was like, well, I remembered the Red Hulk in there one time, and that and that stuck with me forever and ever. And, and then I was like, oh, yeah, they are kind of like the Avengers with the ever-changing roster of folk who are either involved or not involved with it. And uh, after doing my homework online after that, I was like, oh, yeah, really? Thunderbolt Ross has practically nothing at all to do with the Thunderbolts. So I'll quit uh, associating Thunderbolts with Thunderbolt Ross, and now we don't have to make such a big deal about recasting the character after William Hurt's passing. Okay, but that said, what Pascal thinks and what you think doesn't really matter. It's Kevin Feige who treats all of the years of Marvel Comics as a buffet. That's true. If he decides that Thunderbolt Ross or the Red Hulk is somehow involved in the Thunderbolts, that's going to happen. You know, what I'm actually more curious about nowadays is whether he makes a move to move She-Hulk from uh, TV to a movie. 
And then can we have the Hulk show up alongside of his cousin in the mm. She-Hulk movie? Man, what possibilities we have there just by what title we put on a movie. Well, isn't that the whole point of, of the Thunderbolts? It's, it's a bunch of villains. I mean, again, it's so funny. Last night, once again, James Gunn's Suicide Squad was on. Again, I mean, I, I don't know what it is. It's Every night at, at 11 o'clock, it seems like Suicide Squad is always running then. And it's always the big battle at the end. And I, I lose a half hour out of my life because it's a James Gunn movie and it's ridiculously entertaining. See, now that's the difference between a, a terrestrial viewer and a streamer. Because I have not mm-hmm. caught the end of a thing in almost a decade now. <laughs> like when I say I want to watch a thing, I push play and it starts at the beginning. And uh, yeah, I haven't channel surfed. I haven't gone through the 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 900 channels of nothing's on game anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of that. You just go. What do you What do you want to watch? And you name it, and then it plays, and that's the end of it. I'm hardwired that way. I'm constantly on the prowl for new. Uh, you know, in, in fact, and even stuff that I know. For example, every so often I will go to YouTube and I watch you know the Avengers Assemble from Endgame or the end battle, which by the way, they break up into like five different chunks. You get the all of the female heroes together, or you get the initial beatdown between uh, Thanos and Iron Man and Thor and, and Cap. They don't do it as one giant half hour long scene. It's like here's something on the buffet. So Speaking of your entertainment choices versus my entertainment choices, you game and you've been hanging out with Miles Morales, right? Well, first I had to do the whole uh, Peter Parker thing, and that was the that game was on the PlayStation Four, so I spent some time with that, and then got to the point where it was complete enough, and then I could go into the Miles Morales game, and the Miles game was built for the PlayStation Five. So mm-hmm. it you know can run 60 frames per second or 120 frames per second if your TV can handle that, which makes it just so liquid smooth when you play it. It's mm-hmm. incredible to look at. The game itself is, is awesome. There is mild complaint that the Miles Morales game seems like about half the length of the original Spider-Man game. However, mm-hmm. Insomniac has said, we do have another game coming right around the corner that will feature both Peter Parker and Miles Morales, and it will be for the PlayStation 5. So um, mm-hmm. New York looks absolutely gorgeous. All of the important landmarks that you would expect if you were to go to New York City and say, I need to go see Madison Square Garden, Times Square, Rockefeller Center. All of that is exactly where it needs to be. However, there's still mm-hmm. a room for an Avengers Tower as well as an Oscorp Tower and things like that. So it is the picture-perfect landmark destination New York that you would visit in the real world with some minor mm-hmm. alterations that complement the comic book world that you're used to as well. And so the fact that Avengers Tower looks just like it s- stepped out of the movies and all of this, I, I mean, the graphics look so good. The details are so stunning, so rich, so vibrant that it really did feel like I got to take a vacation in New York. So that's just been an absolute treat. I'm sorry it took me so many years to finally get to it. But, uh, you know, I mean, I I had to wait for a PlayStation 5 to be available in order to move on. So between that and uh, Sandman coming out recently, I have been full with my entertainment lineup has been completely filled up with good stuff there, and then everything else is just work, 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 work. 
And your bride, has she been enjoying Stray? Well, she hasn't had a chance to play it because of my spidery ambitions. So. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay, well. No, I mean, well, I'm kind of, I just say, would you like to play the kitty cat game? And she goes, no, you've been at work all day. Go ahead and play your Spider-Man. And I would do that. Okay, okay. Because I, I have seen some cutscenes and some people playing through on that. And it's just fascinating game at the same time chasing a cat around. Well, when, which, like, just because know. our schedules are so busy, sometimes I'll just set like a couple of glasses up on a shelf and then I'll very slowly mm -hmm. look at her and then knock them off. Mm. <laughs> it's not quite the same as playing the game, but she gets the vibe and she appreciates okay, it. Okay, well, I just just so long. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know if you're flexible enough to actually pull off the cleaning yourself. Never mind. We're not going down that road. Okay couple of quick things before we get started here. Wanted to follow up on the Batgirl story, that $90 million movie that Warner Brothers Discovery decided to shelve. Did you see where Kevin Feige actually reached out to the, the two filmmakers? Which, was, of course, makes sense. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, if they did the directing for Miss Marvel... It's like you're. It's like one of your good friends who just got dumped mm -hmm. by their most favoriteest girlfriend, and you're like, "Oh man, I'm so sorry. Are you okay?" That's literally how this reads. In fact, uh, L. R. Arbari actually shared this because again, it's like I want to show you how cool Kevin Feige is. It's like he's my friends. I, I had to reach out to let you know that we're both thinking about you on the heels of the disappointing news regarding Bad Girl. Marvel is very proud of you guys and all the amazing work you do, particularly on Ms. Marvel, of course, and can't wait to see what, what is next for you and hope to see you soon. So again, no, that's it exactly. And I'm so sorry she dumped yeah. you. Also worth noting that among the other folks who reached out to express their sympathies and support, James Gunn, director of the Guardians film, and likewise, Edgar Wright, who, remember, was the original director of Marvel's Ant-Man before he left the project and Peyton Reed took over. But at, at the same time, uh, David Zaslav, the CEO of Warner Discovery, and it's just, you read that note from Kevin Feige, and it's like, this is a guy who knows how to deal with creatives. Whereas Zaslav, he didn't know what to do here. So he pivots to Wall Street. And try it, you know, it's like, let me plead my case here. Let me talk to the bean counters. Money, 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 money. And they'll go, mm, yes, 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 money, money, money. And that's the thing. It, it, you know, the notion he's, you know, it's like, well, we're not going to release a movie until we believe in it. It's just like, which conveniently overlooks the fact that Warners had already test screened Batgirl. Mm. And it got decent scores. And it was one of these things where it wasn't a disaster. Nobody's pretending it's a disaster. This was all done for bookkeeping reasons. And I, I think Zaslav is sitting there and it's like, really? We are five days into the news cycle and people are still talking about Batgirl? It's a, when does this go away? And it's like, give Bob Chapek a call. All right, he'll, he'll explain to you about the long tail of bad press. Yeah. That's it for the, the Warner Bros. news. And we have some Marvel news this week as well. But speaking of news, the news portion of this week's Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Now, we were just talking about bad press, and, and Warner Brothers is clearly, their PR team is having a tough week. Oddly enough, Marvel Studios is kind of having a, a tough week of its own, but for entirely different reasons. In this case, it's not people up in arms about a movie that Marvel won't be releasing, 
But it's rather that people are chomping at the bit to get information about the films and limited series that Marvel has in the works that are weeks and months away from showing up either on Disney Plus or in theaters. And it's Marvel is trying to figure out, well, what do we do about this? I mean, Marvel has practically turned it into Christmas five or six times a year. And we're still going, but could I have one more present, please? I don't have anything for November. Which brings us to what's going on right now with Ironheart. Down in Atlanta, did, did you see the photos that, that were coming off the set of that this week? Nope, not yet. They're doing nighttime shoots of action scenes involving Dominic Thorne. Uh, she plays Riri Williams. We also have Anthony Ramos, who was just recently cast as the villain for Iron Art. He's playing the hood. So here they are on set. Now, mind you, Anthony Ramos is, is in a comic-accurate outfit. He's wearing a, a red cloak. He's carrying a handgun. Dominic, on the other hand, it's the Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man thing all over again. In that She's wearing pajamas with polka dots. There we go. She's got a couple of pieces around her head and neck, just little bits of armor. But yeah, the rest of it is gray, dingy pajamas. And so the PAs at Marvel are trying. So they're down on the sets and they're shooting these things from like nine o'clock at night till four o'clock in the morning. And there's 10 or 12 PAs who are standing there with umbrellas trying desperately to block the shots for all the photographers who are chasing the production, trying to get shots of Dominic and her outfit and, and Anthony and his. And, and the weird thing is evidently you can buy these umbrellas which have light reflection fabric. If you try to use a flash, it just it, it totally destroys the shot. This would work if there weren't tall buildings <laughs> overlooking where the, the film is being shot. And so there are enterprising folks who are just going upstairs into these buildings and getting really great shots of, of Anthony and, and Dominic on the set. But at the same time, they try and anytime they leave the set, they throw a cloak, you know, an additional cloak over the actors and walk them back to their trailers. Now, on the other hand, you can do this when it's, uh, you know, an Anthony Ramos or a Dominic Thorne, you know, young kids who are starting out in their career, you know, please put on this cape, you know, and please let the person with the umbrella follow you so you don't get your picture taken. On the other hand, if you're Vincent DeForio, who has been acting for years and, and is once again playing Wilson Fisk Kingpin on the set of, of the Hawkeye spinoff Echo, nobody tells Vincent what to do. So just this week, there was a photo of Mr. DeFario uh, strolling to the set in Kingpin's trademark spotless white suit. And I think he's got a black ascot or that sort of thing on. Wait a minute. Did he have an eye patch? He did not. Well, that's different. Okay. So reports were that he was going to be showing up in Echo with an eye patch because when we last saw him in Hawkeye, he was supposedly being shot in the face. You got to show some sort of damage from that. And so they were going to just put an eye patch on him for a little bit and call it good. And maybe they changed that or maybe he just wasn't dressed for that moment i was about to, to suggest that that maybe this is him strolling from costuming heading right, to makeup okay or maybe that's something he puts on just as soon as they you know just prior to the cameras rolling right. but but yeah he looks great but sometimes it's not paparazzi standing at the edge of the set who get these photos sometimes it's actually the actors themselves that give things away. Oh, no, that's never happened, surely. Let me share a story from just this past week. So we have a TikToker whose name is Haya Ati Ah, who 
is in Egypt. And she manages to run into Moon Knight star Oscar Isaac and the director, executive producer, uh, Mohammed Daib. And she's in the streets of Cairo. She bumps into these two gentlemen. And so Haya Ati uh, whips out their phone and then asks Oscar and Mohammed the question that's on everybody's mind. Will there be a second season? And Daya, you know, first chimes in. It's like, of Moon Knight? And then Oscar snarks, why else would we be in Cairo? And then she uploads this video online, which then explodes. And now Marvel's PR team gets a hold of Mohammed Daib and reads him the Riot Act, which is why the following day, the director and executive producer of Moon Knight issues a statement to the effect of, there is no official talk of a follow-up to this limited series. There is. I've never heard of Moon Knight. I, I don't know anything about no Moon Knight. Oscar Isaac, who? They've just got halfway around the planet because there was a falafel stand there that they really liked, that they wanted to get back to. I mean, he could have just said, I'm here for uh, Dune Part 2, because he's been in that that area a lot. He has, he has. But at the same time, just before episode six drops of Moon Knight, we suddenly had that go from the series finale to the season finale, and, and it seemed a trifle significant. In a situation like that, you could kind of walk this back. Whereas, if it, remember what happened with Jamie Foxx back in October of, of 2020. Where he claimed he wasn't going to be blue no more. <laughs> Yes, yes. It's like, well, he's he's out this week doing press for Day Shift, the comic power adventure thing he's doing for Netflix. But yeah, when he got the part, he immediately hopped online and you know, super excited to be part of the new Spider-Man Sightness Salmon. Won't be blue this time. A thousand percent badass. But the thing is that here you had three different studios having a heart attack. You had Marvel Studios, you had Sony, and you had Columbia Pictures. Who at that point nobody was supposed to know Alfred Molina was going to be Doc right. Ock, or likewise William Defoe wasn't coming back to Green Goblin, and, and but Jamie talking about how he's going to be Electro kind of tips the thing. So they have a conversation with him, and all right, all right. Wait a minute, we're good. using air quotes when you said conversation with them. He looked right, right, he looked right. really sketchy the last time he was giving an interview. They were practically having to waterboard him to get any answers out of him. He's like, I, they've got my family. I can't tell. I can't tell. They're like, no, no, just Jamie, blink twice if you're okay. What's going on? Well, that might have been on the heels of what happened when he finally got to the set for Spider-Man 3. Uh, this is a story that Jamie told while he was out doing PR for Day Shift. said, as soon as I got on set and I saw that there were three Spider-Man, I was like, oh. So he mimes picking up his phone. It's like, we up in here, baby. We're about to go live. And then a member of the production team jumped on me like I was on fire. And I was like, what the hell? And like, shh, no one's supposed to know. And it's like, okay, my bad. Nobody's supposed to know that there are all three Spider-Men right here in this movie. Got it. On the other hand, he's quick to credit the reason this thing did over a billion dollars worldwide. It's like, well, the mystique. I mean, you know, the, that's what helped make No Way Home such a huge success. It made people want to go back to the movie theater and see what the fuss about was about. You know, learn the big secret. Then there are the folks whose work with somebody else who's really excited for them. Like Rosario Dawson, this past weekend, was at the Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo, and she's she's on stage doing a Q&A session, and, and she gets a question about a Daredevil, and she got asked whether or not she'd be re reprising that role in Daredevil Born Again. 
so she's on stage. And she says, "Well, look, I haven't heard anything official from from Disney Plus yet. I mean, I'm, I've been busy with Osaka, but maybe I'll get the call for Daredevil: The Revival after this show wraps." And she says, "But on the other hand, I found out yesterday that Punisher is happening again." But the problem here is that Rosario didn't learn about this supposed Punisher revival from anyone at Marvel. She learned it from a fan who came to her booth for a signing. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, she thought she was, oh, hey, I got some skinny that I got from somebody. But, of course, now she gets a call from Marvel Studios PR team. And then the very next day, a very contrite Rosario Dawson gets on social media and basically says, I can't be trusted. Getting intel from fans during signings is, is iffy, apparently. <laughs> My bad. You know, out of this, all of these stories, I feel the worst for the Marvel PR team because they've been driving that van all across the country, picking up celebrities <laughs> left and right, going, yeah, what did you say? No, 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 no. Brainwash, brainwash. You can't say that anymore. Go correct yourself. Make it look good. And then as soon as they let them out of the van, they get a little text. Oh, hell. Who said what now? we got to go to Arizona. Why Arizona? Because they had a convention. And then off they go. And they throw a bag over some other celebrity's head who just wasn't expected. What would you say? What would you say? Somebody recently asked Kevin about this, about... You're the, the master storyteller at, Disney, you know, at, at Marvel. You're the guy who decides what stories you tell as a limited series, what stories you tell theatrically, how these things are going to link up. And it's like, how does he feel about paparazzi standing at the edge of the set of Ironheart at, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning trying to get pictures? Or... I'd, I'd bet he'd be more upset if there weren't paparazzi trying to get pictures because that would mean he didn't matter. This is entirely true. But Kevin's, I love Kevin's response. He's like, at this point... I'm numb to it. Anybody tweeting anything about anything, politics, movies, Marvel, just numb. Sort of like a zombie, which, by the way, on the second half of today's show, we're going to share some news about that new Marvel Zombies animated series, which will debut on Disney Plus in 2023. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, a couple of quick housekeeping things. Earlier this afternoon... D23 released a good chunk of the scheduled events for uh, the D23 Expo, which is going to be held the 9th, uh, the 11th in, in September next month. And for you Marvel fans out there, on the 9th, they're going to have a Marvel Draw Live. Uh, Brian Cosby, the Marvel's Director of Themed Entertainment, is going to offer a step-by-step -step tutorial about how to draw some of Marvel's most iconic heroes and villains that's going to be held on the D23 Expo Live stage. Then on Saturday, September 10th at 10 a.m. in Hall D23, Marvel Studios, Lucasfilm, and 20th Century Studios is going to bring uh, filmmakers, celebrity talent, and surprise guests on stage to showcase theatrical releases and upcoming Disney Plus titles. And this is going to be kind of intriguing because we, we had so much news 
come out of Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con last month. So it's like, so what's left to reveal? And I, I think you pointed out there's quite a bit left to reveal. I mean, there's a lot of empty gaps that were left in the schedule that they have not revealed, but they weren't there to reveal the entire plan at Comic-Con. They were there to highlight the big milestone moments and the stuff that's right around the corner. And mm-hmm. so you say, hey, we got a Fantastic Four coming up. We've got two new Avengers movies. And mm-hmm. more recently, right around the corner, we've got these couple of things and, and some series. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of gaps to... Uh, I'm sure one of them is a Howard the Duck movie, right? Oh, please. They just... Please. They're, they're not announcing it because they don't want the rabid fan base to tear down the ivory towers... <laughs> Screaming for more Howard the Duck this early in the series. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff they haven't gotten to yet. And, honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with they're not certain of the order just yet. I mean, there are things when when you're packing an entire calendar, the difference between one movie and the one that comes right after it could only be like two or three months. And Mm -hmm. it could be very easy to say in the timeline it would make more sense if this were placed here if we just flop these two. Or a storyline could develop that hasn't yet been explored, and they go, ooh, wouldn't it be great if we did this, but we would have to swap this movie that's way out here and move it up to right here so we can explore that in, in that way. They want to be more, uh, fluid, if they can, as, as late as in the game as they can. Because then they look stupid when they move stuff. We had so much of that with COVID that you know mm-hmm. people are just kind of sick of that. And so, yeah, I mean... Don't tell them until you have to, and when you do, you want to try and stick to it, and if you move it, then you're, you're like shooting yourself in the foot. One of the other things uh, on Saturday, September 10th, 11.45, on the Hyperion stage of the D23 Expo, they're going to be doing a presentation on Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, the, the animated series. that it, Lawrence Hirschburn's both doing a voice for that as well as executive producing, right? Yeah. Didn't we initially hear... That was coming out in 2022 and has now been pushed deep into 2023. Yeah, that was the one I wasn't following because I just believed it was skewed for a completely demographic that wasn't me. Trust me, Aaron, you do enough heavy lifting here in the show. You don't need to be doing, the, you know, for example, I physically actually have to pay attention to things like Spidey and his amazing friends, the preschooler version. Marvel has has embraced with great enthusiasm the Disney cradle-to-grave idea. And I want to also make folks aware of something related to She-Hulk. On August 10th, you know how they, they've been doing each time a new Marvel movie comes out? You get, like, the Marvel Legends, and you'll get a recap of all of Hawkeye's role in the MCU. Well, what they're, they're doing this week out ahead of She-Hulk is they're doing Bruce Banner, especially since Tim Roth's The Abomination shows up in She-Hulk. Right. I'm just that wondering. should include The Incredible Hulk then. That's what I'm saying. Will we get some sort of a taste of the Ed Norton stuff? I'd be foolish not to. I mean, unless it's a rights issue and they just don't have the rights to, to put it up there. Mm, that's true. I mean, that's that's, true. that's the only thing that would stop them. I mean, if you're there to promote She-Hulk and, and one of the main characters that is going to be in the show is in a, mm-hmm. one of those movies, mm-hmm. and that's the one you can't show, then there's a legal reason for it. 
That could well be. So, And speaking of She-Hulk, Tatiana Mansley, who plays the title character, has been out doing Good Morning America. She's out doing the, the press. And we've been talking about those grimy, gray motion capture pajamas. But she's been asked about, well, how do you perform on set? And she said, well, to be honest, you know, yeah, we do the performance capture stuff with CG. But at the same time, we also use something that Hollywood's used since back in the 20s, that when you need somebody to be a certain height and, you know, meet a certain eyeline, you have them stand on a platform, which in the industry is known as an Apple box. That's what my laptop came in. Well, these go back a little bit further than Steve Jobs, but they did the exact same thing with Thor Love and Thunder, that whenever Natalie Portman became the mighty Thor, to show the physical change between Jane Foster, who's dealing with stage four cancer, and the mighty Thor... Every time she wore the outfit, they then had her stand on an apple box because she was literally physically bigger than her human version of that character. And before I forget, just this past weekend, Thor Love and Thunder surpassed the North American ticket sales for Taika's first Thor movie, which, of course, was Thor Ragnarok. In between Thor Ragnarok and Thor Love and Thunder, we, of course, got that, that wonderful episode of Marvel What If, where we got to see what would happen if Thor had been an only child. But before that, we got Marvel What If Zombies, which was based on Marvel Zombies, a five-issue limited series that was published back December 2005 through April of 2006 and written by Robert Kirkman. And, again, the folks at Marvel were so thrilled. Again, and they'd worked with Robert previously. They, they enjoyed working with him. They were so thrilled with what he was doing with zombies and his, his gritty, epic take on it. It's like, well, would you like to do the same sort of thing with the Marvel characters? And Robert was like, oh, my God, yes, of course. And Robert insisted that even in zombie form, the Marvel superheroes and the Marvel villains had still had to be recognizable as the characters that they'd previously played. So, you know, just that they had to retain their superhero abilities. They had to retain some intellect. And some of the stories are just heartbreaking because it's like you get Peter Parker as a zombie who has a brief memory of attacking Aunt May and is just sort of horrified by what he's done before he, again, his his uncontrollable hunger, you know, for flesh just sort of takes him over again. But it, it's a car accident. You can't look away. And uh, speaking of which, the folks at Disney Plus are really hoping that you can't look away when the animated version of Marvel Zombies, which used the What If episode as its kind of its template, when this rolls out in 2003. Now, based on the Marvel television animation panel that was held last month at San Diego Comic-Con, so here's who's left standing as, as our story gets underway. The, the Avengers, who are now trying to turn the tide of the zombie apocalypse, are uh, Yelena Bolanov and Florence Pugh is coming back to, to voice that character. Kate Bishop and Haley Steinfeld, it, it, again, coming back. Jimmy Woo, so Randall Park is going to be in the mix here. Samu Lu Shang-Chi is one of the folks who's going to be doing battle here. Iman Valani, Ms. Marvel. 
David Harbour's Red Guardian, and, and Aquafina's Katie from Shang-Chi. That's who's going head-to-head with the zombies. On the other hand, our superhero zombies, we have Scarlet Witch and Elizabeth Olsen's coming back to voice the character. We have Hawkeye, and Jeremy Renner has agreed to come back and voice the character again. We have Okeyi from Black Panther, and Danny Garari's coming back. And we have The Abomination. We were just talking about the Incredible Hulk film. And, and Tim Roth is coming back to play the zombie, the voice, the zombie version of the character. Captain Marvel will be back, but standing in for Brie Larson will be Alexandra Daniels. And we'll also have Captain America. And standing in for Chris Evans will be Josh Keaton. Do all these uh, actors like Jeremy Renner, who's like, hey, we come back to play zombie Hawkeye? And he's like thinking in his head, that's got to be an easy payday. All I got to do is go uh, for an hour. Yeah. Okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, the rules of the Robert Kirkman Marvel zombies uh, still apply. Yeah, but that was like internal monologue for Pete. Didn't the Scarlet Witch sort of retain? Oh, yeah, you're right. She did speak a little bit in that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. But again, the Kirkman rule still applies. Zombies will retain superhero abilities and some intellect. And they'll have their usual personalities and powers just to have a need to consume human flesh. One thing that, that's kind of an interesting bend on the story here is the Yelena Belova character, knowing what they're up against, puts out a call to the Black Widows. And all of these trained Russian assassins come over to reinforce the remaining Avengers. Well, you so, need fodder for the zombies to eat, right? You can't you well, can't just tear through your main cast in the first episode. You need something there to oh, feed them with. Okay, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Here, I thought it would be interesting to see those characters again. Well, oh, no, I'm sure they'll take one, down one or two, and that will draw the zombie hero's attention, and they'll be like, huh? And then they'll go after the the widows for a while, and that will give our main heroes time to breathe and come up with an alternate plan that doesn't involve throwing their friends to the, to the wolves. Excellent point. And now, again, it might be, seem a little weird to be talking about Marvel zombies because this animated series will not show up till 2023. Uh, October? I wonder if this is going to be one of these things we hear about in Hall D23 after that presentation on Saturday. But it's worth noting that Disney starts these sort of Halloween-y horror things early. I mean, for example, Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, that starts at the Magic Kingdom, Aaron, today. Friday, uh, August 12th, is when the very first uh, you know, Halloween party for 2022 gets underway. Well, I mean, if you have eight episodes, that gives you at least two months to where you can start the month before October and then finish at the end of October, and that puts you right in Halloween season. So they could do it if, if they plan correctly and, and have a little lead time leading up to it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, folks. Well, uh, that is going to do it for this week's Marvelous Disney. Remember, at the top of the show here, Aaron answered questions from our, our friend Ron Havens, likewise Pascal, and they reached out to you through social media, didn't they? Or No, they, uh, they're psychics, and they beamed it directly into my brain, but 
if you are not psychic and you would like to communicate to me in other means that are not psychic, uh, you can do so through Twitter at Azaprod, and uh, you'll find helpful tips on my Twitter feed like Hamburger Helper only works if the hamburger is willing to accept that it needs help. Otherwise, you just got a mess on your hand and your aunt's oh. crying and it's just, it's difficult. So plan accordingly. I've never actually associated an intervention with Hamburger Helper, but now I can. Okay. On the other hand, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Want to also mention we have a couple of other podcasts here. We have, of course, Disney Dish that I do with Len Testa. We also have Fine Tuning, which I do with Drew Taylor. Uh, we also have uh, the revived Looking at Lucasfilm that I'm now doing with Brian Gunn. And I, I guess that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening, folks, and we will be back soon. <laughs>